Welcome to the MuseCast, where we squeeze every last drop of inspiration out of Sunday's sermon. Oh, welcome. Happy Tuesday, everyone. That's Dan Kent. I'm Shauna Boren, and this is the MuseCast. And first and foremost, we want to say yay, round of applause to Dan Kent for delivering the sermon on Sunday. I told you guys you wouldn't want to miss it, so good (laughs) job. Dan, that was awesome. Thank you. you. Yes, you've given me a lot to think about while I am away on vacation. Secondly, I want to say hello to Christine in Australia. Dan and I just found out that she is a parishioner who tunes into our services and also the newscast. So hi to Christine. Um, Dan and I were talking about how if we ever have to leave the States, it's good to know that we've got folks internationally that can take us in in case we get chased out of our country. That'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dan, I am, like I just said, up on the North Shore on vacation. If you and Barb were going to have a quick getaway, where would you like to go? What's easy and quick and a place you love to go? I think pretty much where you're at, anywhere up north, uh, preferably a, a smaller lake, not one of the Great Lakes. But because uh, yeah. those smaller lakes, that's where you get to hear the loons at night. And that, that's one of my favorite sounds is a loon at night on the lake. So, yeah, it's beautiful up nice. there. Nice. Yeah, I love it. It's a great getaway. I just feel like it's a, a great place to recharge and just you can breathe. And yeah, it's just amazing. We are very blessed to live where we live, to have such close access to the North Shore. Mm-hmm. Um, the only downside to being on the North Shore is that I have a very unstable internet connection. And so what's going to happen is I'm going to say goodbye <laughs> for this week. <laughs> and I'm going to kick it to Dan. He's going to run the rest of the show on his own. So he's going to have to do with his own sermon. He's going to have to talk about things that he left out of the sermon that he didn't have time for. He's going to have to give himself some feedback and ask himself some thought-provoking questions. And then he's going to have to give a nugget. So, um The back and the forth isn't working. So with all of that being said, Dan. (laughs) Yep. Away. (laughs) You you broke up right after you said Dan. (laughs) Well, and this is why we're doing it this way, because uh, you you disappeared right you said Dan, and then there was nothing. So, <laughs> okay. So I just basically. So did I explain the way it's going to go? Did yeah, you, you, you explain the way it's going to go. Yes, yes. Okay. But that's that's all. Right. all so that's I'm going to leave. Yeah, I'm going to okay. leave because this is just going to keep <laughs> happening. Awesome job, Dan. Thank you so much. I do want to engage about this at some point, but this is not the yeah. day, and I'm so sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. All right, well, you hey, guys. Have fun up north, and I'm going to give the sermon right now. Okay. Uh, so, sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Catch you later, Shauna. Uh, so this week uh, I preached on offendability and um, we've been looking at the uh, kind of the passage in Matthew seven, where Jesus warns us not to judge one another. And uh, we've spent a lot of time looking at the relationship between love and judgment and how judgment is sort of the opposite of love. And it kind of negates love. And, and everything that we've looked at so far has been kind of things that we do from ourselves to others. And so, you know, our judgment of others and so forth. And this week, I really wanted to look at uh, the other direction when we receive judgment. And so I looked at uh, what do we do when we are judged? And what I argue is that 
uh, what the Bible really wants us to do is to be resilient in the face of judgment. And um, but not just any type of resiliency, because the world uh, loves to talk about resiliency and they, the, the world teaches about resiliency. But what I've noticed is that a lot of the resiliency of the world uh, comes at a cost. It comes at the cost of being apathetic and kind of losing a lot of the nuanced skills that are required for effective relationship. And so uh, a lot of times resiliency in the world comes down to, I just don't care. And, and so I'm resilient because you can't hurt me if I don't care. And, um, and that, that's kind of a numb sort of apathetic sort of resilience. And, and the Bible offers us a type of resilience that, that transcends that and is 10 times better than that. It's a type of resilience that is uh, unaffected. That is, it's sort of immune to judgment, but it doesn't become unaffected. It, that is, it doesn't become emotionless and uncompassionate like a lot of times the resilience of the world does. Um, and I talked about the, the relationship between um, kind of being unoffendable and uh, being angry, because I think that anger uh, can be good. It's just that I think what happens is, is a lot of times people will live in their anger and in their rage, and they they don't use it for what it's meant to be used for. I, I argue that uh, anger is sort of meant as a prompt to get our attention about some type of injustice uh, or something that's wrong so that we can then take action. But a lot of times uh, what I find is that people like to dwell just in the anger part. They don't move on to what Cedric talked about, which is civic engagement and uh, doing something in our community to help the thing that we were uh, made angry by. And so then I talked about um, gap again. We, we, we love this idea of gap, getting all of our life from Christ, agreeing with God that everyone we meet is worth Jesus dying for and praying for our enemies. And I looked at how each of those kind of affect um, this idea of being unoffendable by judgment. And finally, I talked about uh, how um, the Bible tells us that we have the opportunity and the responsibility to fashion our own hearts and that God is pouring out his love into his people through the Holy Spirit uh, into their hearts. And, and so a lot hangs on the type of heart that we are each fashioning and what is the type of heart that we are lifting up uh, to God for God to pour his love into. And uh, what I argue is that in the world, uh, we kind of have been um, kind of kind of succumbed to kind of social engineering. And uh, we, we kind of uh, end up getting bullied around by these uh, conflict entrepreneurs. And what I mean by all of that is that somehow through, through the way the world has operated, we've sort of become kind of agents of change in a way that maybe we weren't meant to. I, I feel like there's a lot of, you know, a lot of persuasion that's happening and we're trying to orchestrate the people around us and to get them to live the way that we want them to live. And it's a, it's a way of focusing on them instead of our own selves. And, um, and, you know, conflict entrepreneurs are these people who profit off of, of conflict and they tend to get people enraged. And, and part of the way that they do that is they divide and conquer people. And part of the way that they divide people is through different visions of the future, different utopias and different dystopias. And so you get people who want this type of future, Future and who are afraid of that. Uh, but then you have people who want that type of future and who are afraid of this. And now you just get them to get really angry at each other. And, and the conflict entrepreneurs can profit off of that and they get big followings and, and so forth. 
But the problem is, is that as you go down that road, as you become enraged, that means you're also offended and you're offendable. And Jesus kind of tells us that as the more offendable you get, ultimately, the more uh, secluded you become, the, the smaller and harder your heart becomes. And I just gave some examples of how I see that happening in the world. And so coming back to that question, what type of heart are we holding up to God? Are we holding up the small, hard heart that is the result of social engineering and conflict entrepreneurs? Or are we holding up this dynamic, vibrant uh, heart that um, God is calling us to, this, this unoffendable, resilient heart? Uh, because as God is pouring his love into his people, that's the type of heart that can really take in a lot of God's love. And so that was uh, that's kind of the gist of the sermon. There are a couple things that I left out uh, that I wanted to keep in, uh, but I just I just didn't have time. The first thing is, is that it's interesting because, you know, uh, we you know, the New Testament calls us the body of Christ and we are all brothers and sisters. And there is this sense in which by default we are unified. We are part of the one body of Christ. We are one in Christ. The sad thing is, is when you look at the world. It just doesn't look that way. <laughs> I mean, it looks like, uh, I mean, there's something somewhere close to 40,000 different Christian denominations. And, um, and it's interesting because if the New Testament is right, well, that means that we are by default unified and one. That's our default. And so disunity is something that we have to choose. It's something that we have to uh kind of proactively do. And, um, and I think that uh, the, our impulse to engineer our surroundings and to control other people and to divide and conquer people, uh, I think that that is what compels us to make the choice for disunity. And, uh, and so, and all of that stems from this offendable heart that we can have. And that's why I just think it's, it's so foundational uh, to God that we develop an unoffendable heart because an offendable heart makes us vulnerable to being manipulated. Um, the other part that I had cut out that I was going to keep in there is part of the reason why I think um, uh, having an offendable heart sabotages unity is because of this. If you think about like this unity that God is calling us to is this, this advanced citizenship is what I've called it in the past. Uh, it requires us to have like an authentic relationship with one another, but it just so happens that it's, it's, it's impossible to have an authentic relationship. If you can't be your authentic self, if you can't be just who you are, you can't really have an authentic relationship. If you have to pretend to be something that you're not any relationship that you have, there is going to be fake. And it just so happens also that it's really hard to just be your natural self if you live in an environment where you, you always have to be worried about screwing up and being canceled or being humiliated for being wrong or being on the wrong side. And, and when there's so much at stake, when you can just be um, uh, kicked out or canceled at any moment, well, now you have to. You have to pretend to be something that you're not, which means that you can't have that authentic relationship that is so foundational to um, – this unity that God is calling us to. Uh, so those are the, the things that I was going to include, but unfortunately I had to um, leave out. Uh, we did get a question from uh, uh, Leela last week on the YouTube chat. And it was right when the YouTube was almost done. The, the Musecast was almost done. And she just dropped this question in right at the last minute. So 
Uh, I thought maybe we could address it here. But she says this um, in her email. She says, um, Shauna had said that you should just be yourself and uh, your light will shine. Um, but Leela has, wants to know, uh, if loving your neighbor takes intention, how can I, as an introvert, just be myself? I don't even know most of my neighbor's names because we're all busy and private. Does posting on social media or blogging take the place of loving my neighbor? Um, I would say a couple of things about this, Leela. I think that um, I would say no. Blogging and <laughs> posting on social media uh, does not take the place of of getting to know people. Um, in fact, social media is really just media. I mean, it's it's hardly. I mean, I I try to be social. I try to just be interpersonal on there, but. It, it's hard to have relationship on social media. Um, the other thing I'd say is that, you know, I think that the categories of uh, introversion and extroversion, they're really helpful to understanding our tendencies and kind of um, how we get energy in the world and how we kind of thrive personally. But I think that they can be blown out of proportion too. I, I think that, um, I don't think that we should let our introversion or our extroversion dictate how we live. Uh, it's a good description of our tendencies, but it should never be the script that we should follow. Um, I think that uh, whether if you're an introvert and you like to have time alone, that's great, but you also need connection with other people and vice versa. If you're an extrovert and you get energy from being around others, that's great too, but you also need that time by yourself where you can have your own personal relationship with God. And so what I would say is that um, uh, you're, the light that you are shining has nothing to do with introversion or extroversion. It has to do with loving other people. And it doesn't have to be your neighbors. I mean, if, if it's just not there, it's not there. Uh, but you should definitely seek out opportunities where people can get to know you and you can get to know them. And, um, you know, church is a good place for that. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's how I would answer that. You know, I, I, it's it's hard to do a nugget with when Shauna's not here because I don't um I haven't really thought about the nugget. I was just I was working so hard on the sermon itself that uh I kind of missed the nugget. I other than this, I would say, um, and this just is a something that I'll reiterate from the sermon, and that is that um, you know, when you are secured in God's love and you get all of your life from Christ it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. And so when people are judgmental, um, you don't have to feel belittled by it. Uh, in fact, you are so powerful in God's love that you can even look at judgment as an opportunity for growth, sift through the hostility, sift through their, their intending to belittle you. Just put that on the shelf because you are unbelittable. Uh, but there still might be something useful there. And I've had people who have said things to me where they're intended to make me look like a fool. Um, and sometimes there's some truth to what they're saying. And, um, and I, I think that, that you should always be open to, to learning, uh, but resting in that security of Christ, uh, you, you become unoffendable. And the only thing that you can do is grow. And I just think that that is super powerful. So I hope you guys uh, enjoyed the sermon and uh, you know, definitely let me know what you thought of it. Uh, post a comment on the sermon page on YouTube or on whchurch.org. Uh, otherwise you can send us uh, emails at newscast at whchurch.org. 
And um, I will see you at four o'clock our time when the uh, MuseCast launches and I'll be there to, to chat with people as well. So uh, see you guys next week.